Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I'm bringing special thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, is that a new holiday? Can we have Thanksgiving, but then also yeah. a special Thanksgiving? Special Thanksgiving. <laughs> yep. Perfect. <laughs> Today, we're talking about uh, our penultimate minute, Minute 142, which begins with the rest of the visual effects thank you list and ends with the start of the logos. Back Wait a on- minute. There's a minute after this? There is... <laughs> Uh, believe me it it shocks us too (laughs) no okay this is fun i've never done a credits minute before i'm very excited Uh, they're crazy yes you've heard him everybody uh justin jj yeager is back joining us today and it's going to be fun we're talking about minute 142 ah all right (laughs) <laughs> I tell you, howdy, 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 howdy. bringing that hot, exhausted energy. Uh, yes, uh, fitting for the world these days, right now. Um, as I said, we're finishing the special thanks to the visual effects team. Then we jump into the digital intermediate team. Uh, Twelve people there. Then two hundred and fourteen people on the stereoscopic conversion team. That's as many as like at Weta. Like us. Like that's a lot of people to do the three D conversion for this. Oof. Right. Did either of you see this in 3D? Do you remember? No, no, I definitely did not. I think the first one that I remember, the first Marvel movie that I remember making sure to see in 3D was Doctor Strange. Oh, but yeah. The others, I, I've pretty much, I, I've avoided it actually. If I, if I, if I had the opportunity to. That's I yeah, because this was I mean just to do the conversion. I just feel like there are so few movies that really accentuate 3D. And there was a while where if it was offered in 3D, I would go see it in 3D, but it was not this movie. Like, I don't think I had, I don't think I had done that, had made that turn yet. And now I don't anymore. Like, it was a weird phase. And now I just would like to see the movie. I think it's my old eyes. It's just too dark. I, I've turned a, I, I was like you, Pete, where I would see, like, if it was 3D, I'd see it in 3D. I just liked that they were playing with the technology. And I, you know, even though sometimes you'd get really crappy 3D, like Clash of the Titans, you know, I'd go at, see it anyway, because I'm like, well, I, I want to support them continuing to evolve and improve these technologies. But then, yeah, you hit a wall. <laughs> You're just like, nah, I don't need to see that in 3D anymore. And now it's really only like the special movies that uh, Doctor Strange, for sure. But like, you know, the avatars, things like that, that are designed for 3D those ones i will yeah. go see yep yeah but now it's very few and far between although i didn't see i didn't even see avatar but there are other reasons i guess <laughs> I've, never, <laughs> I've, never seen, I've never seen any avatar movie the first avatar like, was like that i think it's probably generally anti-james cameron but you know well yeah. as an antagonist i i get that but i i just feel like that the reason to see those movies is the 3D yeah. because oh, it's definitely. extraordinary, yeah. and I I just did not muster the energy to see. It's definitely one. not the story. No, okay, for sure. Right. We don't need to go. <laughs> no, we don't need to go there. I would rather. You know what I'd rather do? Talk about a minute full of credits. <laughs> well, good. You're in the right place. Uh, we go from stereoscopic conversion to post-production sound, uh, then our re-recording team. We love our re-recording mixers. Then we do some negative color timing, end crawl people, main titles. Then we have, I, this was, you know, we didn't really talk about the, or we, I guess we mentioned the possibility, Pete, that in the celebration montage that uh, the the some of the footage may have actually been captured by real people who were out there and somebody was collecting it. Well, sure enough, celebration montage by Logan with 20 people 
uh, who were involved in putting all that celebration montage together, which was uh, which was cool. You know, it, it does give it that different feel when you have a number of different people capturing footage like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that surprised me actually when we when I was going through the minute that there was a full team on that and all that stuff it's it's kind of neat again this is probably the only time that i've gone this in depth into the credits in my life so i'm like oh <laughs> here's a reason to learn today right exactly <laughs> uh you know actually it's something else that I, I we we've been talking about uh sporadically over the course of this but main titles there were three people involved in the main titles you know but i did have that question pete like and you know for you too jg like the idea of a title for a film and using a letter that specifically will end up getting integrated into the actual film. You know, we had the Marvels, the Avengers at the beginning, and that A was a very specific A that then they integrated into Stark Tower, the new, uh, you know, Avengers Tower at the end of the film. Is this like a which came first question? Like, did they write it into the script and then make the title based on it? <laughs> I'm wondering, like, do you think that they just came up with the title and said, oh, that looks like a good A? no. I actually think it's the other way. I mean, if we're doing chicken or the egg here, I think yeah. it's, especially because it's so iconic, it's on everything. I mean, I think I have, I think I have the vinyl of the themes from this movie, from this Avengers movie, and it's all over it. It's, it feels like it was a marketing team that made that. And then everything else is like variations on that theme. It would be my guess, but. Well, and what I'm, what I'm looking for is like the, what was the original? And when I say original, Avengers logo. I mean, like, what was the original comic logo? Ooh. I don't know if I have an answer to that. In the very first comics, I, I would imagine at that particular point, it was just lettering that their letterer had actually designed specifically for it, and it wasn't necessarily an actual font at the time, would be my guess. Completely uneducated guess. Because it's all, like, oh, I'm looking, I just did an image search of the of the historical and and they a lot of them do have the A, but I'm trying to get uh, originals logo comic. Well, and the original one is very. I mean, for lack of a better adjective, it is comic. I mean, it's it's sort of. It uh, looks more like you'd find it on essential yes. comic book yeah. uh, lettering. Whereas then I think they move into the sort of more modern and. Uh, I guess, dynamic Avengers look. I think it was the Earth's Mightiest Heroes is when they went to the A with the long stem and the arrow in in the crossbar, which is really interesting. So this is an A that plays off of it. Like, it's certainly sort of spiritually connected to to the, the comic logo, the, the slight tilt of the A that's a little bit off the tilt of the rest of the words. Wow. I just ended up on Logopedia. Have you? Yeah, that's where they is are. That where you are? Mm, like, yep. holy cow. Cool. That is crazy. Yeah. Like, and you can see the original ones from 63 to 72. I mean, this has that's like the one all that of looks the ones. like yeah. it should be the, it, that's the one that's like, uh, uh, it looks like a Hanna-Barbera that's kind right. of a <laughs> logo, right? Scooby-Doo. Very right. much. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. This is an amazing site. Yeah. What a great way wow. to kind of look through all of the varieties of a logo like that. So, but look, I mean, in terms of the genetic history of that A, 1972, yeah. 1972 was when we got the A with the, the Avengers and the arrow in it. And I think the, uh, that has played through, you know, with the exception of kind of the 80s, early 90s, they went into the crazy hard rock Avengers logos. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. what that's all about, but. Man, back in the it comes back in the two thousands, and that's where we are. Wow! Yep. What a fascinating ride through Avengers history. Wow! 
Pogo Media is amazing. That is why you show up for the credits minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and do you remember, Pete? I know this was, um, you know, 140 minutes ago. But when we had the credit pop up, was the A, it was a totally different font than the rest of the word, right? Or was it like, do you or, or they specifically just extended the leg that the, the latter um, it was they just took the stem and they extended it. But it was part of the overall vengeance font that they ended up using for the font. vengeance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that a great name for the font? That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> it should be a vengeance. Uh, <laughs> not pre-vengeance. Not pre- <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we go from the celebration montage by Logan to the score. JJ, you just mentioned having the vinyl. Are you a big fan of Alan Silvestri and the music that he put together for this one? I think the thing that I'm the most, the biggest fan of is how much it's interwoven to the entire universe. I think I don't know that I loved it so much when I first heard it, but it becomes, they use it so well that it, that it definitely hits the mark in being the sort of iconic thing that reminds you of what's happening every time you every time you hear it and i definitely wouldn't have known that when i watched this first movie but it becomes i mean it's so special and the fact that i have i mean it's and it's a tiny little you know like a 45 like that just plays the 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 theme from the score and all this stuff it's really great so i'm i'm a fan of that i'm a fan of the overall uh concept and vision for how they used it well and just how it's been used over the years since right like it's just such an awesome sting for this for this series I love that theme. It's and this is one of my frustrations with Marvel in general is oftentimes there will be like a good theme or or sometimes maybe not but at least you know in the hope I'll get a good theme and then if anything maybe also a great score but rarely do I get the great score. Uh, and that's what frustrates me. And this one, I think the score works. I think it works really well for the context of the film and everything. But that theme is just like, it's such an iconic one. And it's one that I'm so glad that we're listening to that now, Pete, instead of frickin' Soundgarden. Oh, I was, yeah, we're really, really done with Soundgarden. <laughs> you mean the Soundgarden song that yes. they use in the movie? Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just ended in the last minute, but we'd been listening to oh, it that's for funny. like... Oh, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> it felt, like, <laughs> felt like weeks. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, speaking of, we go to the songs, and the first one is our is Franz Schubert String Quartet Number no. Thirteen in A Minor, Rosamund Zero Eight Zero Four. That was what was playing in Stuttgart by our uh, little uh, quartet there, which was uh, fantastic, nice. and then interrupted by by Loki in such a grand way. Uh, and that was the start of our eyeball trauma in this film. Yes, just as a reminder, Ocular Extractions <laughs> uh, is an incredible office. Uh, they only do one thing: they take out your eyeball. But do we still have the ocular extraction shirt up in our yeah. in our yep. merch store? You could get that shirt, but it's gonna <laughs> it's not gonna be there forever. Uh, <laughs> Nextworld.com slash merch. It's not gonna be there forever. That's right. Because it's gross. <laughs> <'Cause> it's gross. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> the main reason. Uh, yeah. You're right. Uh, next up, ACDC shoot to thrill uh, again. Also in Stuttgart when uh, when Tony arrives because why why wouldn't he be playing some ACDC? It's Tony. Yeah. It is Tony. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. The next song, this was one that I can't believe that we didn't call out, but I went back and looked at the scene, and it is so quiet that, honestly, every time that I looked at it, I really just thought it was underscore playing the whole time. And I, it wasn't until I actually did some research. It's the song Black Dirt by Emil Millar, and it is when Tony and Pepper are in Stark Tower at the start of the film. And I... Oh, wow. Do I... Should I know that song? 
I didn't know I the song. I listened to it after I heard all this, and I'm like, I still don't recognize this song. <laughs> and I went and listened to the minute. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it's there. It's really soft. It's just like it's like playing on a radio in some back corner or something. And then Jarvis interrupts it when Colson calls. Wow. Nice. But that's the song Black Dirt. Apparently for uh, for Emil, just the fact that his song ended up on the album helped out with his career for a little bit. So, Wow. There you go. That's, that's why that. people get onto these uh, sorts of albums. Although, interestingly, we were talking about the album, Pete. This is not a song that is on the, the Inspired By. The Inspired yeah. By. And there are no other Emil Millar hot tracks <laughs> that's, that that's, are Inspired nope. By. Nope. Isn't that weird? Like, the one that song that weird. actually made it to the movie is not on the soundtrack. <laughs> that is... <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Uh, last but not least, of course, it is Live to Rise by Soundgarden, which I feel like we've already had plenty of conversations yeah. about yes. them. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, then we get the soundtrack filmed at Albuquerque Studios, some Australian post services, because everyone loves shipping their post off there because it's uh, all those wonderful tax uh, benefits and everything. Then we have our special thanks, some clearances, the NASA non-endorsement note. <laughs> I liked, I liked <laughs> is this that. because they... they <laughs> fake blew up a real nasa facility i guess or is it i guess it's just what it's about the science <laughs> yeah right like don't trust the science that is at play in this film that's right, the exactly. message of the avengers is don't trust <laughs> the science that's awesome <laughs> whatever eric's trying to do don't don't do yeah, that it's not real yeah Blue beams right. not a thing says nasa <laughs> Uh, then, of course, the special thanks to the NYPD, the FDNY, and the EMS, and all of their logos and taxi marks, everything New York-related, uh, they're called out. And we start getting the logos. That's kind of the run-through of the credits here. Uh, wait, I have a, I yeah. have a thing. Oh, yeah. I have ooh, a question. Ooh, thing, yes. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It's a, there's an Iron Man, uh, Iron Man's, and, and I can't actually read it. Oh, the Col- Colin Tata right bracelet? Colin Tata bracelet. What is yeah. that? We talked about that. Yeah, that was the... Uh, so talk about it. That, well, we talked about it in the minute. That was Those are the bracelets that Iron Man puts on. Those are those like oh, magnetic right. bracelets that people wear mm-hmm. that, I don't know, it's supposed that to are help connected, your They were connected with flow. the thing? That were, they so were connected the with the Mark Seven. Yeah, those are the ones he secretly puts on when he's back up at Stark Tower talking to Loki and that he uses, or the Mark Seven uses to latch onto his body. Yeah. Mm, got it, got it, got cool. it. Thank you. Thank you. And I think those were the things that, as we looked at them, for something that Tony wears, it was actually surprisingly affordable. Yeah. Like uh, sure. 20 bucks. Like 100 bucks or something. <laughs> well, yeah. For a set of five. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yes, uh, this is our chance to chat about a few specific people. We each picked one person to talk about in this minute of credits. JJ, as our guest, uh, would you like to have the honors and take the floor? Sure. The person that I chose was, uh, her name is Catherine Rods Brooks, which in the, it's, it's spelled R-O-D-T-S-B-R-O-O-K-S. And she's listed as, um, something in related to depth, but as she's credited on her IMDb page, she is the lead stereoscopic compositor. And I think, First of all, I think it's really interesting that you guys had me choose these groups because these are probably the most difficult to find on IMDb. (laughs) One of the things that I've learned is that a lot of these folks, if they don't really care about promoting their career or if this was early in their career before they started doing serious things, they don't include these credits even while they're credited. And 
one of the things that you'll learn about IMDb is that IMDb does not automatically source this data. It is something that is like, I'm not going to say it's exactly same, but very similar to Wikipedia in that they have alternative ways of gathering the data. I know that from my own personal experience in that movies that I've been credited on, I had to add to my own profile on IMDb. So, uh, but I was in the credits, but they didn't find it. So, yeah. So anyway, so looking at Catherine, and Catherine has a new name now. She now goes by Catherine Renee Jones. And one of the things that I've found about her as well is that she and a number of the people on this, uh, in the in the VFX, in the special effects, uh, are were with teams that have done lots of movies, that have done lots of movies together. And a lot of the different people that I was looking at in the IMDb groups, you see a lot of G.I. Joe retaliation. You see a lot of different MCU movies and things like that. Um, a lot of these teams have been working together, and it seems like a really kind of great little thing to be a part of if that's where your sort of talent takes you and what you want to do in life. Her most recent credit is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, where she was the mm. CG supervisor. So that is a great one, too, that we just did on the film board. and. Uh, quite a neat career when you consider that this, you know, is all the way back in 2012. And she's been working strong all the way through to one of the greatest movies of 2023. So very fun. Her name on IMDb, Catherine Renee Jones. And her name in the Avengers is Catherine, I don't know how to pronounce it, Rods Brooks. Yeah, Rods Brooks, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. She's the one that I chose for you guys. So what is a depth lead? Did you figure that out? I don't. Well, and that's the thing. So I was going to go look for it. And then I found that it's actually something that, you know, that is the entire group here when we talk about, you know, the lead stereoscopic compositor. That's a little bit different. So um, I don't know. I don't know. This is where we're kind of left with. Um, she's on the team and she did stereoscopic work on lots of movies, like double digits, all these kind of things. And now moving into this more um, this more lead role as a as a manager for the CG for the folks. Whole, I think that's yeah, kind of great. For the that's whole really team. Cool. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just my guess, again, because she is part of the, the stereoscopic company, I wonder if like the depth artists are people who kind of work on like once you've kind of cut everything apart and you have like rotoscoped all the different pieces out, they're the ones who try to figure out, you know, how how deep is it so that you can kind of create that artificial uh, three dimensions so your eye believes it, you know, and then the depth leads are obviously the people who are kind of in charge of everybody who's doing it. I mean, that's just kind of my guess. Yeah, what an interesting way to be creative with a piece of art that already exists to say, how would this exist in a 3D world? Yeah, and then right. to design it or to creatively um, put that together so that the audience can witness something that's closer to reality than they would normally get in the 2D world. I think it's a, a really interesting, uh, you were talking about innovation before, Andy, about how, you know, you want to support the innovation of Hollywood and the different things they're doing that this seems like this is on the cutting edge of that. Yeah, it, it, it really makes me reflect on like what exactly what we were talking about, the fact that we don't actively seek out 3D movies does not diminish the uh, how impressed I am at what it takes to be both a technical, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a technical expert and, you know, a storyteller, like to merge those two things, because I mean, what you're looking at, what's in focus is what you're looking at. And that defines the story. And um, I, I think that's a really interesting thing to to celebrate. Wish I could wish I loved 3D movies more. <laughs> Me too. I do not. 
And well, and what a process too, like when you think about it, because to a certain extent, I mean, I guess they can be working on all of the footage that's not effects based, but all of those effects shots, they kind of have to wait until it's locked before they can even start their job right. of kind of getting it ready for the 3D process. And it just seems like, God, it just seems like there's a lot of things that go into that of, uh, and and I, I do know when I see like bad 3D work and it, Clash of the Titans is the one that always stands out to me because it looked like little paper cutouts just set at different levels. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing had dimension Weird. itself, but it all felt layered. So it just, it was like a little pop-up card that you get from somebody. And um, yeah, it just, it was terrible. And so, but yeah, like how, how much do they have to work? Like when you're looking at somebody, you know, like, okay, we need to do the three dimensions of that person in addition to the background, in addition to these items, like, just like, I, I don't know, just imagine that that's just a monument of work trying to kind of put all that together. Yeah. Yeah. A monument of the work after it's already done, really. I mean, that's why it's in minute 142. Yeah, right, right. And why so many. So awesome. Yeah. Good pick. Really interesting. Thanks. Pete, would you like to go or? Okay, Andy. <laughs> uh, I have somebody who, I, you know, I'm always curious when I see these uh, credits go by and you see the special thanks. And I think special thanks are interesting because there is no specific credit. We don't know what the person actually did to be thanked in the movie. Uh, and so I was curious, since we have a special thanks minute, let's just see what is the what is the caliber? What is the type of person who might get a special thanks in this movie? So I chose Craig Kyle. Had either of you heard of Craig Kyle? Can't say that I have. Not at all. Not okay. in the least. All right. Well, let me just start by saying, Andy, you're the fool because he is credited as executive producer on Thor, and you did an entire movie oh. <laughs> by the minute, and you should have picked him as your credit run I should, for I, Thor. I should have known this, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Thor. Yes. Oh, yeah, Craig. Also wrote credited writer on Thor Ragnarok, uh, executive producer of Thor, Thor the Dark World, and writer of Thor Ragnarok uh, with Christopher Yost and Eric Pearson. So... Uh, that is an interesting thing to me to have the that particular credit on that movie. But what is more interesting? And, yeah. Well, I was going to say, well, and maybe maybe you're going to get to this. So maybe I should hold back. But as you look at his filmography, you kind of get the sense that maybe he's a little Dave Filoni esque. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, you know, he's definitely a Thor guy. But I think it was, what is actually more interesting is his work in the comics on X-Men. Right. Because he is the guy with. Christopher Yost credited for creating the mutant X-23. X-23 has been written about all up and down the comics uh, in a new X-Men Academy X and X-23 Innocence Lost and is uh, uh, understood to be Laura, biological sort of quote, clone descendant of Wolverine in the movie Logan. And uh, so that's Craig Kyle. Craig Kyle's direct-to-video credits are things like Thor, Tales of Asgard, Planet Hulk, Hulk vs. Wolverine, Hulk vs. Thor, Next Avengers, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Invis Invincible Iron Man, uh, Ultimate Avengers 2, Ultimate Avengers the movie, television. Uh, he's got credits on pr either producing or writing credits on X-Men Evolution, Spider-Man, the new animated series, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four World Greatest Heroes, Wolverine and X-Men, and Pacific Rim the Black web series. Um, and so, but but a lot of what Craig Kyle is is doing is in and around uh, comic stuff. And I think that's very, very 
interesting. So uh, his top four, when you look at his, his top four, none of them are the Avengers. Thor, Ragnarok, Iron Man, Thor, and the Incredible Hulk all on as either additional crew, producer, or writer. Um, so interesting guy. And it makes me sort of reflect on where we might see uh, Craig Kyle's name show up as the X-Men continue to be sort of ingested back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Craig Kyle. Yeah, I, I'm sure that we probably did talk about him as, one, well, again, in that one, one of the many names that were on that list. <laughs> For sure. But, I mean, yeah, just the fact that he is so integrated into specifically the Thor films does kind of tell me that as far as, like, his role uh, coming from the world of comics, it's probably in relation to the character of Thor. And probably that's why specifically he's just getting a special thanks. Like, they might have pulled some element of something that he'd come up with in the Thor comics that related specifically to the movie. And that, and so they just said, we'll give you a special thanks for, yeah. for letting and us Hulk use that little too. thing you came up with. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, X Men, and and in particular the animated, yes, stuff, right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I guess that's what I meant from the Filoni sort of comparison to the Star Wars. Yeah, universe, who made that, that same he transition. comes in as a producer with a whole lot of knowledge to make sure that these films are true to a storyline or a, a, a believable storyline with the lore of these characters. I think it's I think it's great, and I, I had no idea who he was. Yeah, so interesting. That is awesome. All right, Andy, what do you got? Uh, well, I went with uh, one of our sound team. I wanted to look at the sound. And so uh, Steve Bedecker caught my eye. Steve Bedecker is credited as one of the four sound effects editors working at Skywalker Sound. He's kind of involved in both the sound editing and the sound mixing and a lot of things. In fact, he's been nominated for Oscars three times, once in uh, 2014 for the sound editing for the Robert Redford uh, film All is Lost, where he's um, the solo guy just stuck on a boat in the ocean, and uh, two nominations in 2019 for Black Panther. One was for sound editing, the other for sound mixing. So um, he is a... Uh, has been nominated for a bunch of Emmy Awards. And, uh, you know, because he was at Skywalker Sound, he's, of course, San Francisco, uh, based out of San Francisco. But he is, like, integrated deeply into Skywalker. And, and in fact, uh, if you go to Skywalker Sound's website, he's got his little page right there. You know, does all sorts of work with them. Um, he started, interestingly, on Seven which um, I, I love that he was working on that as his first feature. He helped with the sound design and music with that and uh, has just kind of continued the uh, in that industry. He's uh, worked on a few superhero films, um, but mostly it doesn't seem like the that's his focus, whereas he's, you know, I don't know, I suppose you'd say for people who are working at Skywalker Sound, they are all over the place, you know, I mean, kind of, Everything from, I mean, just in 2022, just this past year, he did um, a Minions TV segment. He did Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and he did a film called Play Dead. So I, I think that, you know, the work that they do is probably all over the place. But uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is Steve Bedecker, the re one of the um, uh, sound designers for this film. Uh, yeah. Sound is good in this movie. That's one thing I could say for sure, 142 minutes in. <laughs> and Bedecker has 113 credits in sound department. Yeah, right. You know, and saying he got he started in seven, he was uncredited there. So, like, that's, you know, he's uncredited in a lot of things, but he's he's in it 
And I guess that's maybe the Skywalker sound aspect of it, right? He's part of this big team that has, that's contributing to all of it. But 113, that's a, he's got a long career in film. Well, and you can see like through all of that, like it's, it's interesting to see as somebody who's working as Skywalker sound, how often, I, I shouldn't say it's a ton of times, but still it surprises me how many shorts that he ends up working on. Yeah. And so I think that's interesting that even now as somebody who's had multiple Oscar nominations and is working at Skywalker sound, he's still like working on some short films. And I don't know if they're just shorts that uh, different filmmakers, other filmmakers are working on or what, but it's just kind of nice to see that it's really about the job and kind of the, the different fun opportunities more so than the upper echelon of, of films that are getting made, you know? I think I think he spent his entire career getting to Pixels in 2015, and it's all downhill from there. Oh, I'm a fan of that film. So. <laughs> baby boy, <laughs> baby boy. <laughs> Favorite bit. Yes. Um, I love it. So good, so good. But yes, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Bedeker. So... Um, uh, but that's uh, it. Those are our three people. Any other random uh, credits or anything that caught either of your eyes as we were going through this minute? No, not at all. I have no. <laughs> Sorry. I think we've. I think we've nailed it. We all. We did get. We don't yet get to the full presentation of logos. No, that's one forty three. You just my enthusiasm for one forty three. <laughs> the fire is still lit. I have a feeling we'll be talking about other things in 143 other than the credits. Except other for things. just Dolby Surround 7.1. That's the one I want to focus on. <laughs> Let's see. This one, we we see just a few. We get the Deluxe Alexa, uh, Humane Society. Were there animals in this film? Now I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. What them. animals would we have needed to be monitoring? Streets of New York. Uh, <laughs> horses. Were there horses? Police horses. Were there? I'm sure there was a horse. There has to have been a horse. New York <laughs> is like known for police horses. It's got it. Please. <laughs> there got to be horses in the Avengers. Please. <laughs> now I want with uh, with Fury's like bazooka storage. I want him to also like have a little bird that he's always taking yeah. care of up on the hill. Because if there, oh, <laughs> if there weren't animals in this movie, then the Humane Society needs a different logo for these kinds of movies. Like no animals were harmed. Duh. Yeah. They need the yeah. draw variant because there are no animals. <laughs> we we gave our stamp. Yeah, we're going to have to put this out to our uh, listeners. <laughs> Was there yeah. an animal that we're forgetting about? Because we feel like Fine. we would have remembered an animal. A frog. Film, but, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. A little bit more credits to go. So close. So close to being done with this thing. So, Well, JJ, uh, thank you so much for coming and joining us for a minute of credits. Thank you. It's uh, like I said, my first credit ev episode, and I think you're doing it in a fun way, exploring like it's a place for learning because I had no idea what was buried this deep down after the sound garden. It's a place so. for learning. <laughs> Thank you so much, JJ. You're welcome. Absolutely. Uh, well, that is it for today. We will be back with uh, tomorrow for one last episode of this film. Uh, tomorrow, we're looking at minute 143. It should be a fun one. We have Mike Gravano back for that special minute. So, uh, so Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow, Andy, a celebration of 18th century Ottoman meats. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Mark. 
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.